It's like a beat machine, huh? <laughs> Listening to the Evil Brown, the saddest Mexican podcast. Aquí estamos. One, two, one, two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Emo Brown, the saddest Mexican podcast. And we took the show on the road today, bro. Los fuimos de gira, dog. Salimos. Bro, we went north of the 54. That is a rarity. Oh my God. I don't know what we were thinking. Where are we? We are located in the heart of San Diego, in el centro, in el mero centro, aquí in downtown, off of 17th, an iconic spot, bro. Yes. We're at tribal headquarters. Yes. Y estamos aquí con el jefe de jefes, the boss of bosses, Mr. Bobby Tribal, Bobby Ruiz himself. Bienvenido, jefe. Thank you, brother. It's awesome to have you here. We, we got to first off say thank you to Eric Casas for uh, being the olive branch that extended to us and, 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 and linked us all together to make a beautiful episode today. I want to learn about you, man. I mean, being from the South Bay, there's not many um, people you can look to and say, you know what? I want to do what he did. How do you become what he's done? How do you start at a kiosk, parlay a kiosk into a shop, parlay a shop into a brand, parlay a brand into an iconic, you know, like force. And now here we are inside of your headquarters or warehouse and you've got slappies, you've got the tattoo shop, you've got your warehouse where you house everything, all of your hobbies. Todo lo que quieres, aquí está. Bro, I sat down in your lounge and I was like, damn, this is a killer fucking lounge. Everything you've done here is perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Ruiz. Wow, thank you, man. I, I appreciate that, and um, you know that that we can inspire people. That that's important, and that's all. You know, I, I thank you for that and your kind words, um, reaching into it. And it's a collective, man. It's it's not just me. It's everybody who's ever contributed to the brand or, or been down and supported it and rocked it. And I've just been real fortunate and blessed to to have encountered and, and become you know befriend so many badasses you know just cool cool people um and it, it's a it's a long story but it definitely start, started in the south bay for right? sure um my brother and i my brother joey we um you know discovered i always was skateboarding since i was a kid ever since i could remember i was skating and we were down in, in palm city down in south san diego and that's where i discovered low riding and chicanismo as far as like the real barrio Cultura. The culture lifestyle, yeah. see, yeah. claro. And then also I have family that lived um, in East Los Angeles, so we'd spend a lot of time there as well. But um, just the love for all things that are Southern California, you know, the music, the low riding, the graffiti, you know, skateboarding, the beach, all the shit that I'm sure you guys are into too, you know. And, and people have a tendency to just put us all in the little boxes, you're this or you're that or you're this or that. Mm -hmm. That's just some bullshit, you know. I don't think people understand that, Kevin. People don't, and the older I've gone, Bobby, the older I've gone is like, Everything that we encompass in Southern California and that we have here, even in South San Diego, the South Bay, the lowrider scene, the graffiti, the art scene, the every scene, man, whether it's skateboarding or just the way our lifestyle is, I feel like not necessarily just people here in our region connect and, and are like a magnet to it overseas. Like you, you, yeah, you, you, all you got to do is travel somewhere and people ask you like, where are you from? Uh, we were we were in Dublin a couple of years ago, me and some friends. And they're like, where are you guys from? And we're like, oh, we're from San Diego. And they're like, oh, where's that? We're like, we're like a border town, like South San Diego, South Cali Southern California. <gasps> Lowriders, cholos. Like the first thing, everything they started like waving us like, oh, you guys are Mexican, this, that. We were celebrities, dude. We were celebrities there because we were just different. We stuck out like an orange bill on a green hat. It was like, what? Yeah, man. It's it's a trip and, and uh, that the whole world has some sort of a fascination with Southern California. You know, the whole world trips off of Southern California and, and all the things that have come from here. Um, you know, all the cultures that, that we already already mentioned. We started touring and sharing the culture in the early 90s. The first time we went to Japan, we took, you know, B-boys and skateboarders and graffiti writers and, you know, Mr. Cartoon and Esteban and Key and Lou and all these I, people that have now become really iconic. Icons. And went out there and um, just basically shared the culture because back then there was no social media. 
You weren't, mm-hmm. you couldn't see it on TV. It wasn't in the movies. You know, you'd see some corny shit here and there, but we were out there delivering. You know what I mean? We were pioneering shit and sharing the culture, not just in Japan. And, you know, we started going to Europe and we started going to different countries in Asia. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a journey and fuck man. It's, it's been a trip. It's been, it's been, uh, you know, looking back on everything. And if, if people want to, want to really dig into it they can try to find some of the and some of them are on youtube the first tribal videos from the early 90s that were originally re, uh, released on vhs and then they, they flipped to dvd once the am i okay on this can you hear me all right we can hear i think i'm fading in and out of it Acércate poquito, estás bien, jefe. Right. so there it is um you know we were just um out there doing our thing but but yeah you're right man the, the anywhere you go you know you just people trip on you know, what's happening in Southern California and, and everything that that comes from here, um, you know, culturally. And I've always looked at tribal as more than just a streetwear brand that, you know, we pay our bills with that. And it's it's really cool to work with so many different artists and people. But, um, you know, we're, we're a movement. We're, you know, a culture, a lifestyle. We represent a lifestyle that all of us, you know, and, I, and, and I'm real, you know, I'm always real quick to say that, like, it's, it's all of us, bro. Like, there's so many dudes just like me. Like, I, I'm looking at your can going like, oh, shit, this is dope. This is like some ska shit, you know, from the... I I love ska music, you know. I love... I was listening to punk rock. I listened to, you know, funk, soul, oldies, all the, you know, hip-hop, and then, you know, punk rock shit. The whole thing that all of us were vibing on, and I was skateboarding and riding in lowriders and had started building lowriders yeah. when I was, you know, 15 years old. So. Cultural shit, man. Yeah. We, you can't, like you said, you can't segment us and put us in a box, whether right. it's just Southern California or Mexicans or anything. It's very difficult to pigeonhole us and say, ah, you yeah. know, because when we grew up, that's what we listened to. I list, I grew up listening to, to hip-hop, to punk rock music, and to Norteños. Yeah. You know, so I said, ooh, so now when we're at the brewery and we're and we're releasing a new beer or releasing a new a, a new style of something, it's like, you guys jump around from, like, Norteño culture, like, to punk rock culture. And it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's really no boundaries. And, and one thing that I think was cool that I learned with social media is how many people there actually are that are into the same... Like-minded folk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the diversity and, and, and just the... You know, all the different things that, that we grew up with. And, and you know, not just um, on a serious level, but on a some funny motherfuckers out there and yeah. telling shit that they think that only a small group's going to get, mm-hmm. but everybody's, you know, understanding it and digging it and, and can kind of catch that vibe. But, um, yeah, man, it's 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 a good thing, you know. It's 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 a beautiful thing. Just St- Starting your brand in, in, like, the early 90s, 1989, without social media, what was the plan of attack? What, what was the ultimate goal? Like, how, how do you even decide one day, like, hey, you know what, bro, let's get up. Let's do this. Let's let's handle that. And how do you you get the ball in motion and then keep the ball in motion? Because it feels like right now you can't do it without social media. Yeah. You know, it just seems too, it, they, they, se respalgan, they rely too much on each other to make it work. Yeah, there's no emails. You know, we were we were lucky, I think, in the early 90s when we first got a fax machine. Um, we hit the, we hit the streets, you know, my brother and I were always brought up like working the swap meets and hustling. That's just the way that, that we were doing things. And we had acquired a bunch of, uh, t-shirts and sweatshirts that were probably hot, let's say, you know, fell off a truck. Yeah. Shit ton of them. <laughs> and then, and then my brother at that time was doing, um, tattoo flash. He was designing tattoo flash for himself to get tattooed. And I was always into, you know, graffiti letters, but the letters that I did are, Definitely more West Coast style letters, you know, stuff that I I knew how to do because the hip hop shit I didn't really learn about until a couple years later, like, you know, 93, 92, well, I probably earlier, like 91, like I started really seeing it and and appreciating it and and dug into it and tried to understand it. I never really tried to do that hip hop style because that's that's not me. You know, I I appreciate I work with some of the best in the world, but it was nothing that I ever attempted because it just wasn't my thing. I was more into like the West Coast styles, you know, the Southern California neighborhood shit. But um, we put our designs together. It was just like, wow, we got all these shirts. Why don't we start trying to silkscreen and print some of these tattoo flash with some of my letters on T-shirts and, you know, we can make two or three times more. But um, I had a knowledge of silkscreening and graphic design because I studied it in high school. And um, I knew all about graphic arts and graphic design, silkscreening and you know, what it took to, to make a t-shirt. 
So we started doing that and, and we catered to not really catered to, we just did what we dug. We just did something. Do what you love. Yeah. There was nothing really out there. You know, back then I was probably into like Santa Cruz, mm. rocking some Santa Cruz stuff, maybe some Stussy stuff here and there of uh, Dogtown. Um, you know, the Pau Peralta stuff, the skate mm -hmm. brands, but there was nothing that really, really spoke to us, you know, mm -hmm. like Chicanos from Southern California that were into the, some of that same vibe, but then, uh, you know, the low riding thing and the tattoos and just the whole spectrum. So, um, we started selling it out of the, you know, the, the, just, you know, as cliche as it sounds out of the trunk to, our, yeah. to our neighbors, to our friends, to our primos, to, and it just kind of, kind of took off. And during that, I was at San Diego State at that time, um, and I started curating some art shows, working with. And, and this is a long story, bro. <laughs> Believe me when I tell you, <laughs> we want to listen to these stories. Yeah, yeah I'm everyone, here to we're, we're all here taking notes. We're like, uh, oh shit! But, but I hear San Diego State. I'm like, okay, nice, yeah, common, yeah. common grounds. I got, I yeah, got a bachelor's in Chicano studies from nice. San Diego State, and. Uh, a minor in business management, but I was curating art shows for my senior year and I was doing a lot of research with, you know, the local graffiti scene. And I was always into low writing and, uh, you know, I, I knew the dudes from Amigos and land low riders and dudes that, that I knew from the neighborhood and just were friends of mine. So I was curating a show at the Centro and with, while doing the research for the show, cause I really wanted to bring some of this color into the galleries at the Centro Cultural. And that's when I met people like Zodak and Saki Mm -hmm. And, you know, Dyes and, you know, Zard and Severe and, you know, the dudes that now people are like, fuck, wow, those are yeah. the like, legends. And those are the homies that, that, you know, were in the show. And, you know, I brought some cars in the gallery and, and then, you know, I was still doing tribal at the time, just little by little. And we started putting some of the graffiti stuff on the shirts and it, it, it opened up a whole new That world. was a game changer. Yeah, it was. And then, then I curated another show at the San Diego Food Bank. And it was called Spray for Cans. And, um, mm. you know, all of us were there. And we I did this shirt, Carl and I, Carl Ariano, shout out to him, who's also from Chula Vista. And IB, he was, he was from down there. South Bay. He, um, you know, he became my partner at that time. And we did some shirts that looked like um, Krylon. Yeah. And, and there's a, there was an old graffiti magazine called Can Control. Yeah. Can Control featured a bunch of us rocking those shirts in the magazine. So my homie from Can Control, um, his name was, uh, his name was Power. And he was, uh, he hit me up, you know, from regular phone call or, you know, whatever that, Hey, there's all these people writing us letters, you know, asking yeah. about those shirts. Yeah. Letters. Yeah. Pick up the phone, lick you know? a stamp. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, that's the thing too. If you wanted to discover anything new and the way that I met all these homies from San Diego's, you know, I was going to the yards, mm -hmm. to the graffiti yards and, you know, hanging out with the dudes. Boots on the ground. Clubs. Yeah. And, and, and then that kind of, you know, to jump several years later is when we, you know, started working with the European artists is we would go to Germany and we would go to, you know, France and we would go to, you know, Amsterdam and we would go, you know, meet people like Delta and Dime and Kansas. Same vibe, Tolo. Yeah. And, and it's, oh, you, you hit, you know, you go for a walk, you know, you see them in the graffiti magazines and you write them a letter, you find a way to, to, you know, pen pal these dudes and you're, you know, you're lucky if you get a fax Dang. with some drawings and, and shit like that. So it was, excuse me, it was very, um, you know, they're friendships and, and, and the, mm. the sickest and one of the dopest things about it is, you know, COVID fucked it all up, but, but, you know, tra I travel a lot. So when I go to Germany, I got family, you know, when you I got roots, when I go to France, I got family and they got some out here too. So all those relationships that we built early on are still alive and well. Because you put, you put sweat equity into building those relationships, you yeah, know, it's not it, just sending it a quick message. Too, cause, cause even, you know, when I go to Japan, I got friends out there that are, you know, pretty heavy tattooers, um, and you know, borderline yakuza's are just good homies. Cuidado yakuza. But, 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 Cuidado. but here's one thing that I've learned early on. Those are my Japanese hardcore friends and I go out there and they treat me well. But I'm their Chicano friend from Southern California. And it works both and ways. It, it works both ways. Yes, sir. You know, and mm -hmm. they appreciate and respect what I do. And, and it goes back and forth. The same thing anywhere you go. And that's kind of part of the beauty of, of travel and those relationships is you reciprocate. You know, is you, if they come out here, we treat them like kings. I go out there with the homies, like they look out. like, And to have so many different 
you know, countries that were able to do that in. When when we talk about, and this ain't to talk shit, but here we, go. we talk about the worldwide click, this shit is real. You know, motherfuckers out there talking about, oh, we're worldwide. Yeah, where? And who, who who's down with you guys in what countries? Like, we got that shit. You know, we can go to a lot of different countries and we have really good people that are, you know, official and, and you know, it's 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 good shit. And it's it's always surrounded by talent and love and respect and, and shit like that. You and, and you're representing, you're representing a whole culture, my man. You know, it's like when you go out there and, you, and you're visiting new spots and you're putting that flag into the ground, it's like you have a whole culture behind you that's supporting and rooting for you. That fits one thing I've learned now. It's like I said, it, it's about icons. It's about heroes. It's about looking up to somebody who's doing something that you aspire to do. You don't know how to do it. You know, how do I do this? So you look to somebody that's kind of doing something similar and say, well, what was his blueprint? What was, what was his, what was his path on, on, on getting to what he's going to get to discovering new grounds, new frontiers, yeah. taking, taking our game to a whole new level. It was we bro. Like I, I'm, like I said, like I've been really fortunate and blessed to like, just have, badass people around me and, and just real good dudes and, and family. That's it's very community centric. Always. I mean, you walk in the building, you feel it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. Like it's, I, I like, I always tell people I wouldn't be shit without everybody that's around me and that contributes and, and that, you know, represents for the brand. And I, I can't lie to you, man. I, I, I don't, I'm not a big believer in, in that kind of like, Oh, I felt it, you know? Ooh, I came in here and I felt it. Like I came in here, I felt positive. I was like, okay, now I want to do this. Now I want to do that. I'm looking and I'm like, this is this is this is this is the ultimate goal three decades later of what we want to like start compiling now one brick at a time. You know, like you see it's like a bunch of ideas in the air for us, like, oh, we should do this, we should do that, we should do this. You've gathered all of those ideas. You put them in a net to catch butterflies, <laughs> you bring them all together, my man. Yeah. And then you just here it is. It was a little more organic, you know, it wasn't like a a real conscious thing. Like Carl and I when we had our early shops, you know, we'd have like video games and graffiti and people would come by and party. We, our first shop, well, actually our second shop was right next to Soma. Uh, nice. Which Soma, the downtown or the one by USD? Morena yeah, Boulevard. Yeah. All right, so cool. So we were right next to them. So that was advantageous to us because um, mm. the word got out. Like that was the, the right when the, the rap rock thing was happening. Mm -hmm. And that's when, you know, the dudes from Corn would come by and they'd always, you know, we met them when they were playing Soma, Limp Bizkit, Soma, you know, Green Day, Soma, like all these bands. You were tapped into the scene so yeah. close. Yeah, and we were right there and they'd come in because the buses would pull up. They didn't know what to do. They mm -hmm. were in San Diego and the word got out. Like, hey, when you go to San Diego, play Soma, there's this, these dudes right there next to Soma. Go in there. They got a little couple video games. You can smoke weed. You hang, can out. hang out. You know, they'll probably give you some gear. And, you know, it, it just kind of worked like that. And just regular dudes. W word of mouth. No yeah. social media. Yeah. Word was, of mouth. Was, that's exactly what it was, you know. So, but... um. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, Carl and I had that vision, like, we, oh man, wouldn't it be cool one day to like have a spot where we had like, you know, we could fuck with the cars and have tattooers and sell, you know, graffiti supplies and have a music studio and, you know, just do everything that turned into, you know, it's, and, and once I started, you know, with the spaces that became available in the building, it's like the homies like, Hey, yeah, well, let's got a this. spot. Yeah. Like it wasn't, I had to like put an ad in the paper. Nope. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I knew, you know, Carney was looking to move slappies out of Ramona and come to San Diego. I go, well, I got a spot, you know? And, and it just kind of all came together. It just makes sense. Yeah. You're not, you're not forcing, you know, square pegs into round holes. It's no. like, you got your community, you've established it already. Yeah. So now you're just saying, Hey, opportunity. Yeah. Here it is. Who yeah. wants in? Yeah. And it, it was, it was cool, but we're, you know, we're careful too. Like, um, we're we're particular to at the same time like the people gotta fit you know it's like mm -hmm. there's some people that we say no to not in a rude way but we're just like ah you know it's not gonna so the vibe has to be there the friendships have to be there and they have to fit within the community as far as like you know just just because it's passion driven you yeah. can't and you can't fake the funk when it yeah. comes to something like that i feel like you yeah. guys all have to be on the same wavelength yeah man it's and, and it's cool because the energy is definitely, and it, and it's cool because not just the different things that people are into here, but, you know, there's youngsters in the building now. Like my sons work here and they're friends and the guys in the skate shop. So there's kids that are here in the building on the daily that are like 18, 19, 20 years old that are into music and, you know, skateboarding and, you know, graffiti. 
And then there's, you know, the, the tattooers that are in their like mid twenties and, you know, and, and then there's the, the, you know, the next, so there's that whole span is really cool and it's fresh and it keeps the vibe fresh. You too. got that whole new generation yeah. of new eyes, new ears, yeah. new everything there yeah, to kind of. My, my youngest son is an amazing musician, like not just cause he's my son, but he's badass. You could even ask Eric, like. He's no, el pinche Eric está en Tinder ahorita el vato. I don't even know. I just see that little finger swiping like a motherfucker. He's updating his profile. Some of the, the, the people from the local music scene, the young local music scene, they come through and they, you know, jam or, or rehearse or record some stuff in the studio. And then my oldest son, he has his own streetwear brand, you know, so he does, he's involved with a lot of different artists and, and does his whole, whole thing out of here too. And, you know, just... Some of the talented, you know, the just fuck, man. Like you created a safe space. What, what is your son's brand called? It's called the Silk Cloud Company. Nice. So it's pretty cool because his icon is the SC, which is also you know Southern California. And yeah, they call it Silk. They call it, but he's been doing it fuck for like four or five years now. Oh wow! And it kind of pisses me off because he's selling like crew necks and hoodies for 150 bucks. Damn. Yeah, I'm like, dude, really? And, and they're sold, moving. Yeah, he'll sell 100 wow. of them, in, 100 of them in an hour. I'm like, you little shit. <laughs> he learned, Social he media. Learned, yeah. <laughs> and but, he but learns from the best. But he's got a good, you know, good crew around him too. Yeah. He's got good artists, and you know, he's got dudes in LA that he works with, and people that are into the whole TikTok thing that I don't. You know, I understand it, but I'm not. It's just, it's not. It's a, a whole. Other it's a whole different game that you, know you need I mean? to like. For, yeah. for you as a as a father, was that something that like your son just he wanted to do that? Like, did you expect anything from them to follow in your footsteps? No, I don't expect them at all to do me. And as corny as it might sound, it's their life, bro. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. I can't tell them what to do. I mean, I, I can, you know, show them this is available to you if this, if you're down for this, but all my kids, including my daughter, you know, we, they grew up, you know, around artists and art yeah. and my art collection. And then, you know, around music and, you know, you know, it's, it's cool. Cause all these bands, a lot of them, you know, they come to the house yeah, and they're, friends. they're here in the building. Yeah. They're friends. And they, you know, you know, they get to meet. Like my daughter was a huge Linkin Park fan when she was younger. She still is, but you know, when she was a little kid, she got to meet all the guys and hang out and, you know, we'd go to different events and, and then it just became like, it was just kind of it's normal. Yeah. Second so, nature. Yeah. So they, they became real cool. And, and that's kind of like, you know, I always tell them if this is what you want to do, it's here. If you don't want to do it, then, you know, you, you got to do you, yeah. you know, and, and, and I, I support whatever it is they want to do. So. But as for now, they're both working here, but, you know, they work here, but my son's also has his band and they do rehearsals. And before COVID, they were doing a bunch of shows and things like that. And then, like I said, my, my son and my daughter all, you know, they love art and it's, it's cool. You know, Talk, talking about COVID, that's an interesting segue into it. Um, how has that affected the daily operation for you here at Tribal and collaborations and things? Have you taken a little step back and kind of re reassess the situation? Did you take a time out or is it business as usual moving well, forward? Every, I think in the beginning, we all kind of, everybody was kind of flipping out, took a time out. Like everybody was fucking scared. Like, you know, last thing I wanted to bring it, I mean, more give it to my wife or give it to my parents, yeah. things like that. Like if, if I got it, like I got to just we'll handle it. Yeah. Handle it, fight it, whatever I got to do. But, um, we all kind of slowed down, took a step back. Um, Online sales kind of did really good though. You know, I think mm -hmm. people were stuck at home and they were on websites and looking at shit that they dug and then they'd uh, just somehow make it to the e-store and our online sales, you know, kind of did really Very well nice. since people were at home and just shopping online. Um, but, you know, it gave us a time to focus and design and, and push some things forward. And, but um, it didn't allow us, me especially, I think if there's one thing that, COVID really fucked off for me is I, I love to travel, bro. I'm always traveling, you know, and you know, I, I take, I don't know. I don't know how many trips I take a year, but I'm always on the road and overseas and doing stuff. And it's kind of like gives me time to reset and, and, um, you know, clear my head and design and focus and ideas but, pop. Uh, yeah, man. I haven't traveled in, in, in since fuck December of 2019, I think was the last time I was traveling. Cause I was, uh, Japan, and then I came back and did the holidays, and then COVID hit what, like February, March, yeah. and 
that was tan, it. Tan. Yeah, that, that was it. So, um, yeah, it, it, it affects us globally too. You know, we do a lot of international businesses and business and we have some licenses and things like that. So the whole world took a hit, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, I've always kind of operated my own personal lifestyle relatively conservatively. I try not to live beyond my means or, you know, go finance a bunch of shit to impress other people that I can't really afford. I think that's, that's the the culture for us too, man. And, you know, honestly, I think we've seen, we, you know, myself, I'm first generation. Chicle, pretty sure you are the same thing. We've seen, you know, my parents, I grew up in a family where both my parents had to work. That wasn't even like a, a topic of debate. It's not even a question. It's like, okay, vamos a trabajar. Tu abuelita te va a cuidar. So, you know, so my grandma and my abuelita would take care of us, you know? Yeah. And all we knew is hustle, hustle, hustle. They got to work because if they don't work, there's no like, there's no little safety net like yeah. a trapeze act where yeah. if you fall or you have a misstep, oh, no, no, pedo, you know, I got this little safety net. It'll yeah. pick me up. It's like, no, my parents had to hustle. Yeah. So we, from a young age, I always learned, it's like, okay, boom, you can't live outside your means. You can't do this. You can't do that. You got to make sure you dot the I's, cross the T's. Yeah. I think that's something works in our favor now more than ever. Raising a family, you know, like Chicle and I, we're the same age and everything. We're raising a family. We live a very parallel life in that, like, in that sense that we do. We didn't really know each other until maybe like a year ago. Till COVID hit, and then COVID hit, and then it's like we re, we discovered that we did know each other. Um, we played soccer growing up, but then we also discovered like, damn, we do the same shit, you know. And and the more people I started like connecting, I was like, oh fuck, they do the same shit, you know. Everybody that in my little circle is like, everybody works. Everybody has a family. Everybody's grinding towards that same goal. Nobody's grinding to get that dingy new Tesla or anything. You know, it's like we're grinding to make sure we build something for the future, like leave a legacy for our kids, something that you just touched on, something that is like you can't buy that. Mm-hmm. You show that, you know, you, you can't create a uh, buy a space for, for your kids to be like, this is what I want you to do. It's just by example. This is what I'm doing. If this is what you want to do, you're obviously going to be 24-7. This is what you're going to see. Yeah. You're going to see the blueprint of what how I created this. And it looks like your kids are following that step. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's, that's a blessing. But at the same time, you know, I watched, like you said, my half is hustle. And that's where, you know, my brother and I originally just, like I said, started the brand is we were working the swap meets because my, that's my parents hustle. You know, that my dad was always hustling on the, in the swap meets. And then when him and I were junior and high in high school, my dad would step aside and just him would work the swap meets, you know, the, the Spring Valley swap meet, National City swap meet. We were high school, you know, we worked the swap meets. Like we'd go out partying, but we knew we had to get up at Saturday morning, morning yeah. <laughs> and work the swap meets, you know, and, but we also had feria and with that money, we were building cars and, you know, we had the, the, the nice girlfriends and, you know, we were doing shit. We were, you know, movidos, but we knew how to work and we knew how to, how to hustle and, and play, you know, at the end of the day, we had some feria in our pocket too. So, you know, and when we got to the point where, you know, tribal started, that's what it was. It was, we had that hustle in us and my, my parents had taught us like, you have to invest money to make money. You know what I mean? We knew that it's going to cost money. It's going to cost work. It's going to cost time, but you make some feria and then you keep, and then when Carl and I became partners, um, we had this saying, cause we both worked, you know, we didn't, we had regular jobs when we started tribal for like the first three or four years. And we would just say, feed the baby, feed the baby. And we wouldn't take any feria out. You know what I mean? It was like, we'd make money and it was just keep it in there, put it back in, put it back into the machine. And then, cause we had enough from our regular jobs to, you know, survive. And then it got to a point where like, okay. We can quit our now we can thrive. Yeah, yeah. Cool. you treated it like a passion. It was always a passion. It was yeah. always something you had there, and boom, boom, boom. Never looked at it yeah. as a chore. It still is, man. I, I enjoy like, you know, getting up in the morning, and and I, I usually the first thing I think about what am I doing today? Like, what do I got on the books today? Like, what am I? What's or this week? You know, I'll start Monday going like shit. So I got this, 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 this. I got these people I'm gonna work with or come in, or I got this project going, or I'm going here, going there. Or people are coming in, whatever. So it's always still. I'm passionate about it, not just for myself, but, you know, it's always, I still get really excited with yeah. people or finding new people to work with. And, and, you know, I, social media has opened up the world a lot. Like where I'm, I'm learning about badass dudes from Spain that I've never, mm. like this dude probably never would have come across. Yeah. Or, or Germany or, you know, there's this Mexican dude that's a, badass artist that lives in the Czech Republic 
but it's, he's Mexican that grew up in Texas and went back to Mexico and now he's out in the Czech Republic. Damn, how do you end up in Czech? <laughs> that's crazy. I don't know. He's sick though, like real sick. So we've been communicating and that's like, damn, that's a cool story. And then, you know, we just kind of, you know, I'm hoping to, to work with them and buy a painting from them and just, that's the thing too. I'm always, always working on the collection, you know, the art collection and fucking with my cars and stuff. Like it, that. it seems that collaborations are at the heart, like at the center of the, everything that encompasses tribal. How important are collaborations with you? How important is it meeting up with new people and sharing new ideas? And what have been some of your like more memorable collaborations I'm, that you've I'm, done? I'm happy you asked that because um, in the beginning it was always, you know, I did graphics and, you know, I still do graphics and I've got people in here, like I'll get an idea and either I'll put it together or Herman will put it together. Mm -hmm. who's a badass artist. And that, that's the, you know, the main graphic designer here that I work with. And, um, you know, it's, it's always been that or you know since the early 90s working with you know mike giant and and zodak and severe and all these you know cartoon and og able and all, it's tribal's always been about contributing artists but those artists are not just contributing artists they're my friends bro. yeah like both that's family like all those all those names you know esteban oriol or you know whoever that, I, that we've worked with there's relationships there you know we laugh we drink we hang out we travel you know, if it's, it's, you know, somebody from one of the bands or groups that I worked with and whatever, but, um, that's always been something we've done. Collaborating now, I think has gotten out of hand. There's so-called streetwear brands that they rely too much on collaboration, not with artists, but with, you know, um, other companies. Like there's, there's a friend of mine, like Manny Cisneros, and I always have this conversation about, Oh, who are these guys going to collaborate with next? Rallies or, or makes the, <laughs> is the McDonald's collabo next? Or, you know, what's next? Because there's a lot of these local so-called streetwear brands. They rely too much on building their brand, utilizing somebody else's name. Mm -hmm. My response is, motherfuckers, stand on your own two feet. Like, let's see, bring it. What do you got? Like, can you do it? Like, is, you know, like, do you got what it takes to be able to survive utilizing just your brand, your name and your, your artist friends or, or what have you, but it's gotta be strategic. Yeah, man. Just can't throw but, it on you know, against the wall you, and see what happens. See brands. Now every other drop is a collab, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, to me it's gotten, it's gotten pretty out of hand, like collabing with, you know, like, I don't know, but the, the, the bigger so-called streetwear brands, which there's not a lot of brands left anymore. Like there aren't like the streetwear brands, there's not many like that I have, like, I don't know. Can you name five streetwear brands? I could probably name three, like man. Current, current yeah. ones? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an ever-evolving world, yeah, not man. only in that industry, but overall, man. I feel like everyone has that opportunity to build something and create and push it. And like you said, there's an express lane. There's like a fast pass to get to where you want to do. And there's the grind. Yeah. And when shit hits the fan, the people who are grinding to build their brand that can legitimately stand behind and be like, you know what? No, man, our brand has been in existence for at least seven years. We've been working through this, that, and the other. Anytime we're going to do a, a collaboration, it has to be a collaboration that we all fully are on board. We see eye to eye. Yeah. Never do a collaboration but that's like that, that I, quick I, payout. When we do collabs, is I do them because they're my friends. There's a relationship before. I'm, and here's the difference too, is people don't understand there's what's called licenses. I could walk the licensing show in Las Vegas. I could see fucking anybody. I could see any Hello Kitty, Looney Tunes, Star Wars, whatever. You just go up, go, hey, I want to I buy a license, do some shirts with you. Okay, well, it'll cost you X. Okay, so then you just, there's your collab, your brand. There's no relationship. Mm, it's all mm. legal. It's a contract. Corporate yeah. collabs. Yeah, it's corporate collabs. Exactly. You know, but, you know, uh, Jim Muir from Dogtown. Um, Mike Muir, those, those dudes, you know, Venice, same vibe. You know, they, they have a love for Chicanismo, skateboarding, Southern California. I've known Jim for a long time. Jim, Hey, let's do, you know, call on the phone. Hey, let's do some, let's do some shirts. Like, let's do a skateboard. Let's do, what do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Holmes. Let's do Boom, it. Done. Done. And those are my boys. Yeah. yeah. And they drop it. We drop it, make money. Same thing. The dudes from Suavecito, you know, Hey, come, come by. We want you to meet, you know, Pete and Jay Bird and, you know, come by, we'll go to dinner, go eat some tacos, fucking hang out. And I'm like, you know, that company, I walk into that being like, fuck, they're killing it. 
Chicanos. Palmades, yeah. doggy. Killing it. And yeah. I'm like, oh, this is badass. You mm-hmm. know, this is some cool. And they go, you want to do a palmade? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. They, they, have, some, they have some killer collaborations, yeah. man. So, yeah. So, you know, um, so the Hurley, because uh, one of the founders of Hurley, his name's Paul Gomez. All right. And his son, Dakota Gomez. Um, I met them through a mutual friend. And we hung out and became friends. And then uh, Dakota, the son, took me to meet Ryan Hurley. And Ryan's like, man, tribal this, tribal that, tribal, you know, and we went and visit a couple of times. We'd hang, say hang out. And then, and then one day I'm walking through their campus and I'm like, dude, it would be cool to do a car show here. Like, you know, badass car show. Cause I, I visualize light bulb went out. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then he goes, let's do it. So then the legacy show was born. Damn. You know what I mean? And then uh, we started collabing and I go, Hey, well, you know, we can get this and that. And we'll make it an invitational. We'll do some gear and product. And, and it was because Ryan's my friend, because Dakota's my friend, because, you know, they love, they have a, an appreciation for what I do. And, you know, I don't surf. I, I did when I was in college a little bit, but it sucked. And then. <laughs> We're not water people, my man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, those collabos with Tribal were very just. They came from from relationships, from friends, from introductions, not from me walking a licensing show or going like, fuck, you know. But I tell you what, I am trying to get the Padres. Like I've mm. talked to them and we're they're my they're our neighbors. We're from San Diego. Bring the brown back, baby. Yeah, man. Like dies oh one thing that did suck is right before COVID, remember opening day was gonna happen and we had a car show. We were they had got us to do a car show. Oh, nice. Guys won and Hassel did a beautiful piece inside the stadium. Inside right. the stadium. Yeah. Barrio Dog was yeah. opening up. They're opening the up there, yeah. You know, there was some good dialogue happening and events and we were gonna, you know, get into the season and see what we could put together and then womp, 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 you know what I mean? COVID. So just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything just kind of took a not shit. Not yet, but, not yet. Yeah, but I was coming I would, back. You know, but you know, being involved, they're down the street. And, Neighbors, yeah, and and you know, doing the car shows and stuff like that. Well, that's a brand. That's a that's the San Diego brand. Yeah, you know, I I honestly don't think it gets any bigger than the yeah. San Diego Padres right. is a San Diego brand. Right. So, and you know, the dudes that work down there, they come into the shop, and people that are in their marketing department, they come in and get tattooed, or they come into the store and like, well, we should do something. <laughs> yeah, like, we oh. should. <laughs> but but I'm waiting. not I'm not chasing it. Yeah. Any yeah. any you know, there's any collabs or anybody out there that. You know, it's just, it, it, it's a little disappointing to me personally. And it's just the way I feel with some of these, you know, big streetwear brands that rely too much on collect, corporate collaborations, you know, like, like you were saying to me, it's like, I collaborate with the homies and friends and people that not just on graphics, but you know, music or whatever it is we do, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a and family thing. I think like, you know, something you, you've said all along is it, your the brand tribal what it stands for is is also built on old school values yeah man right like keeping it humble and you know when you ask like name five brands i i remember a lot of brands right but they didn't make it yeah. and, and i think something else he said i remember stupid stay within yeah. you mean, i remember yes. stupid that little the little fish yeah sick, bro you know? yeah fat like, and stupid yeah <laughs> there, there was a lot you know but yeah. i think somehow like you have kept it going this long and, and something that I'm curious about is like, was there a point when you realized like this, this is way more or like, I don't know. Did you have a vision in 1980, 89 to say like, yeah, like this is one day I'm going to have my own warehouse near downtown. Or like, was there a point when you're like, Oh shit. Like we got something right here. Hmm. There was there. It's funny you mentioned stupid and fat. So when stupid and fat were two really early on streetwear brands from San Diego, and they were they kind of had more of like a skate rave feel. Nothing yeah. really Chicano. About They're definitely them. more rave for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. but but they were they were both fat more than stupid. Were were great friends of mine, and I I know you know Dave Lively is is the founder. Compita de fall. Yeah. Hey. yeah. So. They also inspired me because Carl and I, you know, I knew we had these sick graphics working with Zodak and working with Dyes and working with Giant. And I'm like, if these motherfuckers can do this, and right. I'm looking at all these t-shirt boxes right. they were selling, I'm like, man. Boom, challenge could, accepted. do that shit. And it was more like a, you know, a puffed out my chest. I'm like, man, I got this shit. Mm. You know what I mean? But it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> like, 
you know, it was just, yeah, like challenge accepted. Like, yeah. Let me see what we could do with this shit. Cause I know it's different. I know it's unique and I know what we got. Yeah. And then I went to see this, this friend of mine in LA invited me and he had a tiny fucking little warehouse, like a little office in a warehouse. that was maybe a four car garage at the most. And I was blown away. I'm like, fuck, if we could get something like this, we would nice set. And this is early on. Yeah. This was real, real early, like early, early nineties. And then we got our first shop. It was like, cool, cool. And then once the license started to hit and things like that, um, it, you know, we started growing, but I've never, and I think it, it kind of served to an advantage. Like I look back now and I'll watch some of the DVDs, which, you know, there's so many people and memories and just, just shit in there that I look at and people and, I'm like, man, we were doing some shit. Yeah. But back then I was just going day to day. You were just day to day. When you're in the thick of it, you and don't. I, and yeah. I, didn't, I, I didn't really think about like, fuck, like we were we were on some shit. I was just like, eh, what am I do tomorrow? Like I, I, never, <laughs> I never thought of it because I was out there along with Brian Bell, rest in peace. Um, you know, we were shooting all the video. And he was editing some in the early days we had some other editors, but Brian Bell, I think, produced our best DVDs and our best pieces. But um, you know, we just we were just doing it and documenting it and sharing it with the world. And this was all prior to social media. So, you know, kids in anywhere in Egypt or fucking anywhere in the world, the only way they were gonna really experience real California, Southern California cultures is you got to get one of those tribal videos or DVDs. You're going to see, and this is, you know, I tell people this all the time too, is the things when you walk into this building, you see skateboarding, you see tattoos, you see low riders, you see graffiti, you see, you, you know, there's hip hop heads and they're producing hip hop music and the B-boys come in still all like, that's the same shit that was in the first tribal video. Yeah. That was, you know. Through thick and thin. Yeah, I thought that was still into it. Things have changed, they've progressed and, and, you know, obviously the culture's gotten bigger, um, but those are the same elements that we represent to this day. So it was never a marketing campaign or an idea that we had. That just who the fuck we are. Yeah, and you can't fake the funk. Yeah, and we still are to this day, you know. Um, and like I said, man, I'm just blessed and, and fortunate to have so many people just continually, you know, I mean, you guys today. You know, cheek, uh, cheek. Oh, damn. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, Cheeklin and, and you coming through and, and the network keeps growing and growing and, 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 you know, it just, um, you know, it happens with, you know, tattooers. It happens yeah. with graffiti writers. It happens with dudes that are building low riders. It happens with, you know, everything. Hip hop heads come through. So I've always had the philosophy that talent attracts talent. A list. A-list, you know, like with us, it was like, you know, when I, when I would get introduced to a new artist, for example, if I wanted to work with them, excuse me, I would, they would say, well, I'd show them a catalog, you know, hey, yeah, you know, we'd go have a beer or whatever. Here's our catalog. We used to do printed catalogs. Everybody did printed catalogs. And oh, wow. that was like your portfolio yeah, work. You like, showed around. Yeah, like, wow. Oh, wow. You guys work with OG Abel and Cartoon and Dime and you know, mirror and risk. And, those are homies. You know, yeah. Those are, those are my boys. How can I be down? Like, so it's like people, you know, it, it just kind of continually grows. So when you, they see that you're already working with and have collaborated with, you know, a list or just bomb artists or, or then it attracts other people. But at the same time, I'm not always looking to work with the names more the talent because the talent is what keeps it fresh. Like, you know, the names will always be there, but who's next? Who's, who's, who's right behind these dudes. Cause the same thing I tell my kids up like, you know, with my son, with this clothing brand and my other son with this band, the next shit's got to come from somewhere. It's coming. It's the coming. People want the fresh shit. They want the next shit. Give it a shot. Well, you're doing it right in the sense that you're talking about, like you've got young kids from 18, twenties, mid twenties, up and up and up. That spectrum, the age group, the generations, they span a large set of ground, man. So that brand remains the same, but a new set of eyes gets to see it. Yeah. I know a new set of, set of ears gets to listen to the message that you guys are conveying. That is awesome. Yeah. I mean, the brand will always remain young depending on the people who are picking it yeah. up and putting it on. Oh, look at what I got or look at what yeah. I'm doing. But but at the same time, I'm like, there's dudes that'll come in here with fucking 
old vatos like in their 50s pulling 60 like looking for a panel tent or looking for a tribal shirt with the low right hell yeah i saw one downstairs shit you know what i mean like there's still those dudes and yeah like, fuck i remember when i was 20 years old i'm like <laughs> yeah motherfucker you're 50 now yeah and and we're still here and you're still here and they're still representing they're still rocking the brand you appreciate that kind of uh, connection oh, better on, huh man. Yeah. yeah for that, sure i mean you know, it's, uh, I do, you know, I, but all the connections, yeah, like, for sure. I also, I get just as stoked by seeing some 15 year old kid walk in, in the store, in. like yeah. with his mouth dropped, like, that's yeah. the one. Like, what? <laughs> that, that was me. I'm not 15, <laughs> 15 times three. Kind yeah. of. But, but you know what I mean? Like, whoa, yeah. what's this? And I Hell see yeah. it. I see their eyes light up and I see them like, and they're tripping. Cause they ain't never seen nothing like it because yeah. there's, I, I've so. been here a few times and you know, luckily gotten behind past the store which i know you mentioned most people don't yeah and every time i come in here it's like everywhere i look <laughs> I, felt, I felt like i walked you know? into peewee's playhouse for the yeah. first time bro i was like i came yeah. in i was like where's the talking couch the stairs like you almost fall because you don't know where to look oh i yeah. got a room i'm gonna show you you're yeah. gonna about we got teen angel in the building oh, like the teen angel man. headquarters is there yes. and there's a room here where it's just Teen Angel Originals and, and you're yeah. going to And, and like, like growing up in San Diego in junior high was when I first started seeing tribal, you know, the the Zodak tees, the Dice, yeah. the Saki, you know, and those are still my favorite tees. And one of the first times I ever talked to you, I asked you about those tees. You mentioned back then you had that that bank vault yeah. that had all the old tees. Mm -hmm. So I hope that one day... We still have that. One day you come back <laughs> with some of those original graphics. So that's the plan. That's Actually, this summer we're going to bring back some of those because nice. 90s are kind of hot right now. Yes. Cyclical, man. Everything's cyclical. And, and what I'm finding just recently is I've been... So I have a collection... Um, I'm a fucking hoarder <laughs> of art and the archive, old tribal stuff, yeah. um, my cars. So occasionally I'll take something from this part of the collection and I'll move it to this part of the collection. Like if I got doubles and triples of my old shirts from the nineties, I'll sell some of them off yeah. and I'll put, it in, I'll put it into the car. You were large before COVID. Isn't I, it? <laughs> I'll, I'll put it into the cars, you know, because yeah. the cars are kind of like, now that's kind of, I'll always be passionate about my art collection, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll put something into the cars or, or something like that, but I'm seeing the vintage tribal shit. Dude, I'd surprise the fuck out of me. Like, really, dude, you just sold that shirt for 600 bucks? Damn. Like an old Zodak shirt Vintage. from 92. Yeah. Those Zodak you tees know? were the, yeah, yeah, they were or, it. Or Severe or Mike Giant shit. Yeah. Or brown. Like, yeah, Brown. The, yeah. All, all Got these, to me, Brown, no yeah. rag, Grosero yeah. tattoo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all all, the, all these dudes that that you know did these old character graphics that people are are tripping on. Yeah. So we we are gonna release some more. This, um, yeah, my kids are seeing them now. Some of they're like, oh, I remember, <laughs> you know, they were little dudes. Yeah. Some of them weren't even born. You're like, not yet, they're yeah. born yet, but they're looking at shit now for the first time. They're like, whoa! I'm like, okay, so we've got some shit we're gonna drop this summer. Hell yes, um, and bring back some color. You know, remember yeah. we were doing like purple shirts and yeah. orange yeah. shirts and yellow shirts and some for the kids. And then, you know, we'll always keep it, you know, the black shirts are our staple. The classics. But yeah. So we're, we're going to do some stuff like that. But it's um, it's a trip, man. Yeah. You know? Well, it's, it's been cool for me, like, just to, to witness, right? Like the growth, um, the evolution. And, you know, going back to junior high, getting into graffiti and, and drawing, having sketchbooks, you know, that's how, like, Chicle for me became a thing because I always saw those graffiti writers and seeing the t-shirts and the graphics. And back then, like, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know you, I just knew the brand, yeah, right? And I knew that it was from my hometown. So when I was off in college and then I see, you know, Limp Biscuit on MTV, Full on tribal doubt, you yeah. know, head to toe and tribal. Yeah, it's it's like, man, I'm getting goosebumps yeah. just thinking of that because of the pride. Yeah, you know, and just being proud of like, yes, that's that's from my town. Yeah, you know, and that's our culture now being represented. You're taking that flag, yeah. brother. For you, everybody, you got that flag. It was, it was a trip, man. Like, um, Fred and I still keep in touch. Like, we we talk a lot still, and um, but that was kind of like. I, I didn't I didn't understand the magnitude of it yeah. then, you know it's like a, just day to day like we'd hang out like we would you know go to his house and have dinner and barbecue and you know we'd go to the trade shows and they'd show up and we'd share a room and it's like you know whatever that was the homie and then 
He goes, hey, we should do, and it wasn't even my idea, we should do like a ad or a poster or something. Like, oh, yeah, let's do it. And where if if a brand like Levi's or, you know, Dickies or, you know, Converse back then, they would have spent a million, two million dollars for a Limp Bizkit campaign. I ran that shit in like a little fucking graffiti magazine and did a poster because I'm like, I didn't, what, fuck, I didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it was just kind of the way, the way that it, it was and it was it was i think not blowing it out of proportion or or and i always tell people some of our mistakes i think contributed to our longevity mm -hmm. like we i remember looking at carl's desk with a fucking big old stack of orders that we needed to pull and ship like customers and um a lot of shit we we probably ship maybe not exaggerating, maybe 50, 60% of what we wrote. But it's the shit that we didn't ship that created a larger demand for it and didn't allow us to fucking burn it out or sell right. it out. You know, and it wasn't a conscious effort. It's just because we were whack. We weren't learning. We were learning. We were learning. We weren't managing our shit, but we were making yeah. a lot of money. We were making money and paying the bills and having a good time and traveling. Yeah. But that was enough. That other 40, 50% that we weren't shipping, uh, oh, well, you know, it's like, but those mistakes, I think we didn't ship Macy's and we didn't ship Journeys and we didn't mm. ship, you know, Zoomies and we didn't ship with all these ones because we're like, you know, we just, it wasn't in the, in the cards. So by not selling out, I think it, it helped to keep us relevant and it keep, you know, it's yeah. like, it's like you go to a party. You know, here in San Diego, everybody rocks tribal. But if you're in, you know, L.A. or in Arizona or in Texas or New York or Chicago and you show up with a tribal shirt that's dope, chances are there ain't going to be anybody else you're the only rocking one. that shit. And then yeah. that makes you fucking the hot shit. So, you know, it, it was just kind of that exclusivity thing that, that came with our mistakes, I guess, you know, yeah. or, or our our lack of focus or our lack of experience or, or whatever it was, you know, and, and, and just, um, you know, keeping it just doing our best, but still like, you know, we're here and we're still doing it and we're still, um, I guess we're, I think we're still growing. Hell yeah. yeah. Maybe I should, it, maybe I yeah. should check. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by looking at, at your warehouse, it, it definitely yeah. is, is pretty clear. Yeah, the You're energy still here in the building is like the lower left is like something that, that I'm really, really proud of. And I, I remember like I originally wanted to open a lower left in New York because that was my vision. Like I never thought about opening one in San Diego and the lower left years ago was my vision. I'm like, that's San Diego. That's Southern California represent like lower left. I kind of just thought, you know, yep. mm -hmm. geographically the lower left Southern California, Southern California store in the middle of like Manhattan or in Brooklyn or, you know, wherever in New York, I'm like just a store in New York. That's strictly Southern California. And then when the opportunity arose here, I'm like, you know, I'll just do it right here. And it, it worked out. So, um, but who knows, maybe there's one and it could happen. You know, we've opened them in Japan, excuse me. And it didn't, um, <laughs> that's, <got> that's <laughs> the, that was the too hectic, hazy IPA, right? <laughs> right there, that's but what you um, heard, you know, um, yeah. So there, you know, we've opened a couple, a couple more, but, um, you know, you never know, but it's, and I, the, the tattoo element of it is mm -hmm. kind of keeps growing. So. It could be another lower left tattoo shop somewhere in the future or something. I don't know. So looking back on this 32-year career that you've established and all of the uh, knowledge and, and all of the experience that you and your crew have gained, what do you, what can you convey to a youngster or even 40-year-olds that are trying to build the same, build a brand and grow that brand? What can you tell somebody like, this is what you need to be stay true to, or these are the these are the topics and, and the ideas that you got to focus on. Like, what kind of like knowledge can you drop and pass on? I think um, originality is really important, um, but I also understand that social media can take that away from somebody really, really quick because mm -hmm. people draw inspiration really quick. And by inspiration, I mean they'll they'll bite your shit, they'll take your shit. Um, I think. Um, you know, just building a network of people that you trust and, and realizing you're not going to do it yourself, man. Like I, I, I could have never done this by myself. I mean, I mean, how many successful businesses you see just one person doing it by themselves? Like everybody has a team, build a crew, build, build a network. Um, and 
you know treat people fairly and and respect people and and like i like i said earlier with you know in regards to my, to my my kids the next shit's going to come from somewhere so just just if you if you think you got a shot give it a shot like and 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 go for it because someone's someone's going to make it you know someone's going to it's it's going to come from somewhere so but i guess um you know originality and just it's it's i not to to be discouraging in any way because i've i've always like you know like you were saying you've been inspired by coming to the building and i love that when we can inspire people but um it's i think it's a little bit harder now because mm-hmm. of um just everything that's going on and you know besides that as far as clothing goes i think what's killed a lot of streetwear brands is when we were building the brand there were mom and pops there were skate shops there were hip hop shops there were you know little stores everywhere like people owned record stores and yep. you know just cool shops everywhere they're all gone i mean they're not all gone but brick and mortar is very few and far in between right. now right cuz people are online and they're building an online present and majority of brands are selling their own shit from their online stores and you know people don't really want to be in the department stores and so how do you it's a different game man and it's it's uh you know it's just it's a it's a different different world where we were you know selling to all these shops all over the world that were just little stores you know privately owned cool shops and a lot of those shops are gone you know so i think it's learning photoshop illustrator is super important you know digital marketing online marketing um social media marketing all that stuff i think is key um you know and just grind man stay focused yeah. learn how to communicate i think that is one of the most important things in any business like don't underestimate how important it is to be able to communicate not just communicate verbally but how to how to write a fucking business letter how to write a letter how to write an email how to structure an email how to make a presentation you know how to do a deck how to do you know things that are required of you to take that step you know you can't expect a professional company or a professional customer if you will to do business with somebody that can't write a professional looking or sounding letter so learn how to communicate no english like the basic shit english math you know design illustrator photoshop like if you're going to be in design video is is key editing like this guy right here look at him Yeah. What do we all have in common? <laughs> Eric Casas. <laughs> He can't even pay attention. No, nah, Lady D, yeah. LP, what a pinchy. Now you're not even on Tinder anymore. You're on Farmers Only. Where are you now, dog? <laughs> what, are you, what are you looking at? <laughs> I'm posting this. I'm, I'm posting this. You know, as a as an educator though, a lot of what you're saying, and I know you you're in some ways giving advice to someone who would want to start a brand right now in 2021, but I, I think there's so much to to take away from your story right of staying humble staying true to who you are and maybe even not having like these grand plans for where you want to end up right like just, just let it flow and day to day enjoy the moment and wake up the next day with the same energy to get out there and get it right, right? because if you had like stopped at that moment and be like oh shit I'm partying with You know, limp biscuit. That's it. I'm at the top. Yeah, fuck that. That might have been the end. Yeah. Been a, but, a, a, but you a were like, "Hey, that's just homeboy Fred and his yeah. band." Yeah, let's keep going. Who's next? And that's what's how it, next. You know what? And that's a perspective that I think people, you know, and anybody, like, it, not not just music or artists. People they get starstruck or whatever the fuck you want to call it, or they they put too much sauce on somebody's, and they can't be themselves. And those relationships are really important. And it's it's a uh, just you know shout out to the homies from POD too i love those yeah. are, that's family dog Hell that's yeah. like fuck come on man um but those relationships are just they're homies dude and the, and if you know Suge used to come in here all the time Suge Knight used to he hung out in the building a lot before he got i think i was the last person actually to photograph him before he got locked up oh, but i i walk into the building sometime and go into my office and that motherfucker sitting in my desk like what are you doing <laughs> i'm making some calls Do you mind? Like, it's <laughs> my desk. Like, come on, dude, hurry! Like, and I talked to him like I would speak to anybody else, and he yeah. loved it. Yeah, because I didn't, you know. And that's not you, just you me, saw the bro, person. Yeah, and 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 Suge was like, people, 
just talk about Suge for a minute because Suge was always a kind person with me. He was always showed a lot of love and respectful and, you know, he wouldn't let me take out my wallet for shit. Like we'd, we'd go out to dinner, we'd go out for drinks. He'd show up with Cat Williams a couple times, like just good shit. And people have to understand, like I got a lot of respect for Suge. I know a lot of people don't have love for Suge, but Suge, um, people got to understand, like to run Death Row Records and to have Snoop and Dre and Pac and, you know, all these super talented artists, you have to have a personality. You have to yeah. be able to handle your business. You have to be able to communicate something to these people. You got to earn their trust. You got to you gotta be that person that is likable. So he, he has a very likable, professional, um, intelligent side, you know, and he, he's a good dude, but I don't know how he got off on Suge, but. Um, <laughs> he was making 1-900 calls on your no, desk, I think, man. I think it was just more about, <laughs> more about just, you know, staying focused and, and, um, and went not knowing where the top is. How's yeah. that? Not knowing yeah. where the top is and living day to day and just, just hustling and, and doing the best you can every day. And of course, you know, you have things on the calendar and, and, um, things to look forward to and you're, you're, you're building, you know, like I, I have some really cool shit that I'm working on for 2022 because 2021 already seems kind of half fucked. So, um, you know, just, just getting up in the morning, grinding, enjoy what you do and staying focused and, yeah. and count your blessings and give thanks and be, be respectful and appreciative and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, and thanks for the beer, by the way. For sure, man. <laughs> Thank you very much for allowing us an hour or so to pick your brain and just kind of like yes, get to know you, man. No, I no, mean, it was, a, it was, it, it was, a, I had fun. Good. Yeah, that was yeah, cool. That's, uh, that's I, the I, ultimate goal. We want to, we want to make sure you yeah, have fun, have yeah, a good time, you yeah. know, relaxed, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's cool. So we, we appreciate you letting us come in here and, and, and visit your establishment. Honestly, man, this, everything about you, everything that surrounds you is iconic. I appreciate to the that, culture, bro. to the movement, to everything, I man. And that. we look, we look forward to continuing this friendship and growing it. Gracias. Gracias. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. That is a wrap for this episode of the Emo Brown, the Saddest Mexican podcast. Make sure to give us a follow on Instagram at Emo Brown. Give us a shout out at Twitter. We're on there too. And at Facebook, for those of you who still use Facebook, we're on there as well. More importantly, give us a visit at emobrown.com. That's where you can find all of our episodes, all of the merch. There's more merch coming as well as access to the Patreon Club. Join in the Emo Brown Social Club. Don't be a stranger. Hop on in there. Join. Submit. Follow. Follow pelo. We appreciate your support. Thank you very much. Big things are coming. Besitos.